I'm Emily Dilling, and this is the Perry Paysan Podcast. Today I'm breaking from the normal format of the show to do something a little different. It's a story that's inspired by a recent event in my life. I started the blog Perry Paysan in 2010 as a means of exploring how to incorporate nature and countryside living into an urban environment. By buying local produce at Paris markets, knowing the origins of what I eat and drink, and creating community around shopping for and sharing food, I reinforced ties to the feelings and things that are so easy to forget when you're living in a city, such as the beauty of each season, the importance of every harvest, and the overwhelming influence that nature has on us. But a few weeks ago, something happened that made me question our ability and willingness to try to embrace nature in a city, and brought up the question of what we do when wilderness gets too close for comfort. It all started when I went to water plants for my friends Luke and Anna. I've been friends with Luke and Anna for over two years now, and we often help each other out. They feed my cat when I'm out of town, and I take care of their plants and pick up their mail when they're traveling. But my last house-sitting stint turned out to be more than I signed up for. Just a few days after they left, a wood pigeon couple built a nest in one of Luke and Anna's flower pots. I discovered the dad pigeon sitting on the nest one afternoon when I went to water the plants. The pigeon was staring at me through the kitchen window, making it very clear that he wasn't going to leave without a fight. I sent a picture of the scene to Luke and Anna. I'm really sorry to ask you to take care of this, Luke responded in a text message, but you've got to get rid of it, he said. This may seem cold, but Luke and Anna have been through this before, exactly two years ago, when another pigeon nested in a different flower pot. So two summers ago, summer of 2013, we were actually on vacation. We were out of Paris for about a week. And towards the middle of that week, a friend of ours who was watering our plants sent us, um, texted us a photo of what was in one of our plants. This is Luke and Anna remembering that fateful summer. And I should say that earlier, prior to this, before we had left, um, we'd had a pigeon that had continually come and landed on some of our pots that we had hanging from the window. Um, And we had told this friend um, about this before we left, actually, because we had dinner with him. And he had actually told us this horror story of his father um, having uh, a pigeon uh, lay an egg in a balcony plant outside of his window and that they'd kept it because they thought that really cute and sweet and that it actually ended up being quite disastrous because the pigeon babies just were quite dirty and it was just gross so anyway so we received this photo from him that he texts us um with this photo of the pigeon sitting in the plant pot and i could add also at this point um there was a discussion between him and uh, our friend and his girlfriend about um, uh, whether or not they should actually leave the pigeon there, which was quite strange to us because it seemed such a logical choice to uh, to try and get rid of the pigeon. And yet, the so our um, uh, the girlfriend, who is also a friend of ours, um, was uh, had convinced uh, our friend to to keep the pigeon, which was a bit uh, we thought we were going to get out of it easily uh, and we'd come back to a, a pigeonless pot uh, when in fact we had to deal with it when we got back. This decision may seem knee-jerk but I should add here that not only had the pair been advised to get rid of the nest, Anna is also terrified of pigeons. I happen to have a pretty severe fear of rodents. Um, I don't I just 
I can't handle mice or rats. And while a pigeon is neither of the two, there's something about having, there's something about city pigeons, number one, that's very different from pigeons in the wilderness or in the countryside. I mean, you see them all the time with their faces, just like eating trash. They're in just like the gutters of the, like, they're just always around pretty nasty areas. So that doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence when you see a pigeon. And when you see them up close, like they often, they look quite sick, which is very sad actually, because you know that they're just eating trash all the time and they're not doing so well, which is terrible for them. Um, but often like on their faces, they'll be a bit like, they just have weird things around their eyes and their beaks. It's, it's terrible, it's terrible. But all to say that, when they're that close to you, then like in your window, there's just this like, dirty thing close to you. And for me, I think maybe that was a bit too close for comfort. The couple hesitated about what to do until they consulted with some friends who are also members of a farm share community they belong to. And I think that we were on the same page about that we would probably need to get rid of the egg, but we weren't totally sure. I think there was still a bit of like hesitation because it's an animal. I'm from the countryside. Luke grew up in a pretty like natural environment and we both love animals and we love nature we care a lot about what we eat like i don't eat meat luke's 100 percent vegetarian like yeah with those are things that we care about so it's not a decision that it would come lightly and i do remember actually going online that morning i mean like okay well i'll just ask the internet and i remember like all i came across were like health like the health department in los angeles so like if in los angeles you had a pigeon living in your you know pots outside your window you should call the health department and i was like well okay that's not going to happen um because we're not in la and i just sort of doubt that anyone in paris that we would call is going to care at all but then i remember going to a map that evening um so a map is the organization for um that we take part in um, and every week we get to go uh, it's like a csa in the states we get to go and get um like a share of a farmer's crop essentially so every monday night we go and pick up our vegetables which with a lot of other people from the neighborhood so we went and people were like oh you guys are on vacation how did it go and we're like great we're like but because this was on our minds because we've been thinking about it all day long we we're like but we have this pigeon that laid an egg and every so this is like a gathering of people that pay money to get locally sourced organic produce. I mean, it's like people that are fairly conscious about how they live their lives and what they eat and care about nature. And every single one of them was like, get rid of it. You have to get rid of it. It doesn't, it's going to, it's going to be, it's bad, but like, you have to get rid of it. There was just like, hands down, there was nobody that was advocating for keeping this egg. And so I think we reacted with like, well, okay, if these people that are fairly you know, caring, nurturing people, if these people are all saying we should get rid of it, then I guess like that's what we have to do. So when this new pigeon showed up two years later, Luke and Anna knew what they had to do. Only they didn't have to do it. I did. I responded to Luke's text, telling him I would bring my boyfriend Ben back with me and we would do it together. Yes, definitely get some help from Ben, Luke replied. Any support you can get, you'll need. Ben and I aren't members of an AMAP that would tell us what to do, but we did reach out to the internet, like Luke and Anna did in 2013, and I found a Paris region pest control company that I thought could shed some light on the situation. I explained what was going on, and once I told the man on the end of the line we were dealing with a pigeon, he replied, 
oh, a pigeon, then put me on hold so I could talk to his manager. Apparently, they don't get involved with pigeon problems that often. Oui, bonjour, monsieur. Oui, bonjour, madame. Vous, vous êtes dans quelle ville, déjà, madame Je suis à, à Paris. À Paris, d'accord, ok. Euh, d'accord, vous avez des problèmes de pigeons euh, euh, C'est sur le balcon ou c'est sur la fenêtre C'est sur la fenêtre, dans un pot de fleurs. Bah, il faut juste enlever le nid. Just get rid of the nest, the manager told me, adding that they couldn't do much to help me because pigeons are protected in Paris. Um, has the city of Paris done anything sort of actively to either nurture pigeon pigeons in Paris or, or try to deter pigeons from being in Paris? They don't nurture them. They discourage them. However, it is illegal to uh, maliciously harm them. It's illegal to poison them. It's also illegal to feed them. This is Jane Gray, a Paris-based holistic life coach and pigeon enthusiast. And there used to be pigeon police, where you could, if the pigeon police caught you feeding them, you would get a fine. And if they caught you a second time, the fine would double. And if they caught you a third time, the fine would triple. That never happened to me. Uh, one thing Sarkozy did was eliminate most of the pigeon police, and now there's like five for the entire city. That's right. Paris has pigeon police. Five of them. Pigeon police. Obviously, this was getting more complicated than we had anticipated. Like Luke and Anna, it was on our minds all the time. One day, when my friend Lauren was staying with me and Ben, we told her about the looming pigeon mission, and she immediately got involved, googling possible solutions. Here's Lauren. I live in an apartment. A pigeon pair hangs out on my balcony, and I don't discourage them. And today, I found one of them sitting on a nest. The problem is, I am being relocated out of state in a month. Oh, she's worried about the babies. This isn't the information that we need. Because not worried about the babies. <laughs> we need... Oh, hang on. What's more humane? Allowing the eggs to hatch and attempting to remove the babies safely or removing the eggs now? Wait, wait, wait. You could replace them with plastic eggs. The pigeon will continue to incubate, incubate them for about 21 days before abandoning them, after which you could make the balcony inhospitable so they don't get into trouble when you leave. Like a decoy egg? But what do you do with the real one? Well, that doesn't get rid of the pigeons either. You still have pigeons. Oh, here we go. It's a British person. Just remove the egg and dispose of it. That's what you need. <laughs> British stiff upper lippery was fine online, but did little for us as amateur pigeon homewreckers. Turns out the decoy egg idea wasn't so silly. The city of Paris actually does this regularly to keep pigeon populations down. Here's Jane again. So there's a, a, an employee of the city, an actual functionary, whose job it is to replace eggs and nests with wooden eggs. And the pigeons will sit on those until they realize that those eggs are never going to hatch. Then they abandon that particular nest, and then they clear out the, the, the wooden eggs. Or it might be plastic, or, you know, it's some sort of false egg. And in that way, they, they're trying to contain the, the population. So it's like pigeon family planning, kind of? Kind of, except the pigeons aren't consulted on this. <laughs> At this point, I'm ashamed to say that consulting with the pigeon hadn't occurred to us. But we did want to be as humane as possible while ousting the expecting parents. Lauren kept Googling, and I asked her if she wanted in on the mission. I'm already in it, she said. So we had a team. We formulated a plan. We would gently move the pigeon, then recuperate and relocate the eggs to a different but safe place. We were so naive back then. It's just not moving, look at it. I've never been so close to a pigeon. 
All right. Okay. So. Okay. I'll I think someone hand. needs to, yeah, spray and then see if we can get him. See what his reaction is yeah. to being sprayed, I guess. Sorry, guy, but you took location in a bad place. It's not about us. <gasps> this is the three of us, me, Lauren, and Ben, armed with a spray bottle filled with water, an oven mitt, and a microphone. He hasn't even moved. This is horrible. I am a murderer. You're not. Nobody's dying. Nobody's dying. We're trying to help them. He's waterproof. Oh my god, that's horrible. I am a murderer, Ben said, and that's how we all felt. None of us expected to feel this awful. Apparently, neither did Luke and Anna. I think I'll remember the remorse uh, for the rest of my life. It's terrible how guilty you can feel for doing something that, of course, there's a choice, but you didn't really feel like you had that much choice to do. Uh, as you know, everyone tells you you have to get rid of it, and we tell everyone else to you have to get rid of it if it happens to them. But yeah, it's um, it's probably also because we humanise it a, a lot. But um, I think that's a natural thing to do. After we did that and we came back upstairs, I was in the kitchen and I was washing dishes later and I looked up and the two pigeons, they had flown up to the ceiling of the building sort of on the other side of the courtyard and they were just sitting there and they were just looking at our apartment for like the entire evening. That's where I felt like a murderer or a killer because I didn't just take an egg from a pigeon and then the pigeon like moved on with its life i mean it did the two pigeon like mom and dad they were just sitting there staring at us like as if we were the worst people on earth and we were in that moment to them because we had taken their child away from them and that's where i was like god these aren't just stupid animals these, i mean they know what i did and they are looking at me through the window and that i mean that's a pretty creepy and terrible feeling it is a creepy and terrible feeling. I'm not proud of what happened in Luke and Anna's apartment that day. After shooing the bird away and getting the eggs, Lauren and I put them in a high up place in the apartment's courtyard, but we knew it was hopeless. We couldn't undo anything we had just done. Walking home, we were all contemplative and quiet. What would you do if this happened in your apartment? Lauren asked Ben. I'd keep the pigeon, Ben replied, to which Lauren said, me too. There are some people who do keep pigeons, like Jane Gray, our pigeon enthusiast from earlier in the podcast. My name is Jane Gray. I'm a longtime American resident in Paris, live in Montparnasse, and I'm a holistic life coach, counselor, consultant, and teacher. 
Before 2008, Jane didn't know much about pigeons. She didn't mind them, but like most city dwellers, she didn't pay them much mind either. And then something magical happened. In 2008, the summer of 2008, a wood pigeon family built a nest in the window box of my home office about, say, half a meter away from my desk chair. And that opened up a whole new world to me. The birth of this baby in my window box was really a gift. I mean, the whole nesting experience. They first started trashing my beautiful geraniums, and I wasn't sure what they were doing, and then I noticed a nest. And I was curious. I thought, let's just see what happens. I really didn't know anything about pigeons. I wasn't against them, but I wasn't particularly interested in them either. To me, they just existed in the city, and it was normal that the city had pigeons. I like animals. I like birds, but really didn't know anything about them. I was kind of delighted at the idea that they wanted to nest in my window box, and I was surprised because I mean, it's my home office. I'm there a lot, and I would have thought that they would have chosen a place just quieter with less movement, and I'm actually still surprised. And it says now that I know a lot about pigeons, I realize it was a gift uh, because they could have chosen many, many, many other places that were quieter. Jane has written a book about the experience called The Story of Hope. Only one egg survived in that clutch. And because it, there was only one, I named, I named her Hope. And I decided, I decided it was a girl because she gave off these girl vibes. So, of course, I'm already present when Hope was born. So she was completely uh, comfortable around me. I think that she thought I was kind of a third parent, except that I wouldn't feed her. The Story of Hope recounts Jane's experience becoming a part of this pigeon family. They're a gift. And I think if a pigeon wants to make a nest in your window box or on your balcony to, to, to let them, it, it really is a gift to not cheat yourself out of this experience. You don't have to do anything. They, if they're building a nest you know, on your property somewhere, it's because they decided it's safe, which is really important. They're not asking you to feed them. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to give them water. They'll take care of themselves. All you have to do is watch, and, this, and it's a fantastic show, especially if you can get up close enough to see the baby, because it's a, an amazing, amazing thing, the little baby pigeon. But one thing I want to emphasize is, that I guess people might want to get rid of a, a nest, is because they believe in certain ideas about pigeons, that one, that uh, the, the, the poop is filthy, or, or, I mean, who wants to live next to, to, to what's basically a nest of manure? Pigeon poop doesn't smell. I, this is one of the great discoveries. You know, I'm sitting next to this nest for, you know, in my office. doesn't smell at all. It does not attract flies or maggots. It is not like horse manure. Um, they don't, uh, wood pigeons especially, don't make much noise. The, the uh, male bird will crow in the afternoon to let the entire neighborhood that he may be on the nest, but it's still his territory. But otherwise, they're not... They're, they're not really there making, they're not making the pigeons by themselves. They're not communicating with, with others. Uh, they're just sitting. The health consequences of living near pigeons seem hard to confirm or dismiss. Jane has been in frequent contact with pigeons since her initial experience in 2008. Since then, she has rescued trapped and injured pigeons, as well as babies that have fallen from their nests. During this time, she has never been sick, and her home has never had any infestations. I can't speak on the topic of pigeon hygiene, but it seems like anyone who is scared of potential health issues related to proximity to pigeons will get rid of them right away, ruling out any possibility of being proven wrong.
In the meantime, Jane has expanded her pigeon family and has pigeons who frequent her window boxes in the Montparnasse neighborhood of Paris, many of whom are pigeons that Jane has helped by removing string, hair, or yarn from their feet, which threaten to stop circulation and result in a pigeon losing a foot. Yes, I have regulars and, and, I, and I have names for them. Well, I tend to favor ones with the mutilated feet, and those are ones who the feet are never going to be right again. And I figured they're never really, they don't have the same chances as the able-bodied ones. So there's, there's red, he's got reddish-brown uh, feathers, just like a, like a red, what we call a red cat or a red-headed person, so I call him red. His wife also has uh, mutilated feet, and I call her Twinkle Toes. Uh, just since May, I, I um, rescued a couple pigeons at my windows, uh, you know, with the string injuries, and the one actually lost his. He came back, and, and one day he came back, and one foot was gone. But I knew it was already so, you know, sort of like beyond help. But otherwise, if I hadn't helped him, he'd have a dead foot hanging off another foot because his feet were tied together. I mean, you know, it's just. So anyway, he's so sweet. I named him Hector after the uh, the pirate in, in um, Pirates of the Caribbean only has one leg. <laughs> and so that's Hector. And then um, there's Mr. Oak also with, um, he's doing really well. His, his, I have to even look at him and see if he's the bird because he's recovering so well. So I named him Mr. Oak after the character in, Far, in a film called Far From the Madding Crowd because in the film, Mr. Oak keeps going away and keeps coming back. And that's what Mr. Oak does. <laughs> Rescuing and taking care of pigeons has changed Jane's life. It's made the city a more beautiful place, she told me. I feel like anywhere I go in the city, I see, I see friends. I know they're not my friends, but I feel, I see pigeons, I feel love and affection and tenderness. I just love them. I learned to love them. I can identify with this. While out and about in the city, you often see Parisians walking their dogs, and it's fun to see their friendly, smiling faces. I love animals, and I love interacting with them. But one thing that strikes me when I come back to the city after spending time in the countryside is that our wildlife is so different. It's not wild at all. It isn't rare to see ladies walking around with dogs in their purses, or older women carting their dogs around in market caddies. These animals aren't wild. But pigeons are another story. They were wild, and we brought them to the city. In the 21st century, there was a whole industry devoted to producing and collecting pigeon manure to use for France's crops. Armed guards were even stationed outside man-made pigeon houses to keep people from stealing pigeon manure. Pigeons represent a very real legacy of when cities still depended on local agriculture and crops. The pigeons stayed, and the agriculture got outsourced and both are now victims of urban sprawl and the devastating effects that humans have had on our environment. So what happens when we come face to face with a pigeon, an animal that so many people see so negatively? In my experience living and researching this story, something changes when you make contact with a pigeon. Nearly everyone I talked to about this story or for the story had a negative idea about pigeons at first. And then when they hear what we did or participate in what we saw, they soften, they change. I think Luke's right. We do humanize pigeons or other animals when we find ourselves in close contact with them, which is so rare in a city. In a city, it's hard to humanize other humans sometimes. There's just so many of us. And we walk past homelessness and poverty and drug use and violence and general frustration 
or we just block it out as a coping mechanism. But what if we didn't? Or what if we chose to let a few things in, like Jane has done with the pigeons, making a small difference for another living being, making that what you did with your free time? Could that change the nature of a city? Special thanks goes out to everyone who helped make this podcast possible. Thanks to Lauren Powell for being a team player, and to Ben Nero, who not only wrote the theme song for the podcast, but also wrote a special song especially for this episode. It's called Ode to the Pigeons, and you're listening to it right now. Thanks to Luke Revel and Anna Bronez, and thanks to Jane Gray for sharing all her knowledge and personal experience with me. You can learn more about Jane and the work she does by visiting hopeinparis.com. Check out perryvzen.com for a backlog of past podcasts, as well as information on my forthcoming book, My Paris Market Cookbook, which will be published in September, but is available for pre-order now. Check it out if you want more stories about amazing people doing amazing things in Paris. And don't forget to tune in next time to the Paris Paysan Podcast.